$405. One less call than I And finally, new rule conservatives who constantly whine that Christianity is under attack from liberals have to explain why there are over 300,000 churches in the U.S., but only 400 Whole Foods. I don't make this stuff up. <laughs> please, please, you can't say I don't make this stuff up just five seconds after you said the words Manda Kasabasanda. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky. Thing to talk to Jesus. It's another thing when Jesus talks to you. Exactly. Okay, well, that's different. If I'm not correct, Savior of Steel, Jesus. You know, we're in a series called People of Faith. Just turn to that person next to you and say, People of Faith. Would you turn to the person on the other side and say, I'm a person of faith? Tell them that. Say, I'm a person of faith. So I gave you this little bumper video just to kind of point out to you as we've been in this series, um, uh, we don't necessarily live in a nation that is pro-faith in the living God. In fact, as the one co-host of The View said, uh, if the vice president's hearing from God, uh, I would call that mental illness if he speaks back to him. And so it's been my goal and my duty from the Lord to help us as the church continue growing in our faith. In fact, I would point out to you that just because you became a Christian doesn't mean that you were completely full of all the faith that you need. In fact, that you have to continue growing in your faith. And so we started this series. In case you weren't here, let me review for a moment. It's been three parts, and we're in the third part today. Going to close it out today. But we started the series with what is faith? That was the question we were trying to answer. And we took it straight out of the, uh, out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And the, and, and the writer of Hebrews uh, formulated this truth from the Spirit of the Lord and then actually defined it by putting it in proper perspective so you and I could grasp it. In other words, faith is not just um, it's not a feeling or emotion or, fil- or, or some kind of a philosophical um, group of ideas to grasp. And then what, what, the, what the writer of Hebrews then did after this verse, after saying faith, you know, is being sure of what we hope for, uh, uh, certain of what we do not see, what the writer of Hebrews then did was pick, pick out some of the great heroes in the Bible and, and began to put them in their life scenarios and show how they actually lived out faith. See, faith is more about an action in the moment and less about a feeling or an emotion that we have, a philosophy that we, quote, live by. It actually has action tied to it. That's why the Bible says without, uh, without, a faith without works is dead. Because you gotta, if you can say you have faith in God all you want, but if you don't actually apply that to the scenarios of life. And so what the writer of Hebrews did, as we studied in the first lesson, was he took like Noah, for example, and he said, by faith, Noah built an ark. In other words, he, he heard from God that God was going to flood the earth and kill all the inhabitants that did not uh, uh, obey or come and follow God. And so Noah began working on an ark, and he built that sucker for a hundred years. Every day, by faith, by faith, by faith. I think I heard from God. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Can you imagine the neighbors are like, woohoo, there he is. There he goes at Home Depot. I mean, he might as well own his own Home Depot because he's using all the nails, all the tar, all the stuff. And at the end of it all, obviously the flood came and as the Bible gives account of it, and it's by faith he acted upon what he believed. He put it into the scenarios of life. By faith, Rahab hid the spies and changed her entire destiny. Her, her group of people were going to be taken over by the Israelites, and the spies came in to see it, the good spies, if you will, and she hid them knowing that their God was the real God. And she said, listen, just don't kill me and my family when God gives you our city. And as a result, Rahab was spared, and she went on to have children, and guess who she is? She is the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ. The prostitute Rahab, by faith, believed in the living God and acted upon it. And what we were teaching you the first week of this whole thing, you can call yourself a person of faith, but what happens when you're standing there and a coworker's cussing you out? Do you knock their front teeth out? Or do you say, you know what the Bible says to love my enemy and pray for those who despitefully use me and abuse me? So I'm going to lay hands on you right now, but not the way you think. Just hold still. In Jesus' name. See, that would take faith. That would be, that would be your beliefs in action in everyday life scenarios. I mean, people all the time that call themselves Christians, but they don't have faith. 
Because in their life scenarios that require faith, they don't live it out that way. And so that's what we were looking at. What is it? What is faith? It's not just believing that there's a God, but actually living for God in our daily life scenarios. Then the second week, uh, we went into the difference between faith and unbelief. And I tried to point out to you that each and every one of us have unbelief. Our key scripture and faith versus unbelief was Matthew 17, 20. He replied, because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And so even that statement for those of us sitting here is like, that can't be. I could tell a mountain to be removed. (laughs) Jesus has been on some loco weed because that don't make any sense. Right. Because of our unbelief. There's no way that physically I can move a mountain. And Jesus, he's using an illustration and pushing your faith way beyond. If you had just a little bit of faith, you could say to that mountain, be thou removed. In fact, he's engaging his disciples who could not cast the devil out of this little boy that was killing this little boy. And the dad came and said, listen, I tried to get your disciples to help me, but they couldn't. Could you help me? And Jesus said, could I? What are you talking? Do you think I, of course I can do this. And he says, well, 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 you know, I don't know. And he goes, look, just believe. And then the man recognizes, I have unbelief and I have faith. He had to have faith or he would have never showed up to Jesus. And so what we were trying to teach you is that in each and every one of us as Christians, we have faith and unbelief fighting against us throughout our daily life. Every moment of the day. It's based, a lot of it's based on your scenario. You grew up maybe and you had, uh, you, know, you had a grandmother who didn't believe in God or something like that. And that got down inside of you. And so when you started coming to church and you started hearing all these stories, well, my grandmother didn't say that. Or maybe because you had a scenario where you prayed to God that something bad wouldn't happen and it happened. And so that created this unbelief inside of you. And so what I was trying to teach you last week is how to grow your faith. Because only by growing your faith can we destroy our unbelief. And only, come on now, only by walking in faith are we really people who who serve the living God. We are people of faith. I don't expect these guys on TV to have faith. They've been through life experiences. They don't, they've never had real faith. They've never had a real experience with the living God. So sure, they're full of doubt and unbelief. Sure, they think you must be crazy if God talks to you. But friend, God talks to me. He talks to me. And I do what he says. And my life is amazing because of that relationship. And so, and so I don't, I'm not mad at them because they don't have faith. They just are full of unbelief because of their life experiences. In fact, I want to engage with them so I can show them the living God and his nature. That's why we are the light of the world. Because we're full of faith and we're supposed to be growing in that faith. So I gave you a couple ways to grow in your faith. The first thing, anybody remember the first thing I taught you to do according to what the Bible teaches us? Anybody know how to grow in your faith? Number one was, ooh, consume the word of God. As you begin to read the Bible, as you begin to get the word of God inside, as you begin to listen to your Bible app and let it read out the word of God to you on the way to work, what happens, you start going, wow, wow, God is real. Wait a minute, because why? There's something supernatural about his word. He put his word on paper in digital format. And the moment we begin to read it, it begins to transform our thinking. That's the supernatural power of the word of God. And then the next thing I taught you to do was you got to get around people of faith. You keep spending all this time with all these guys who don't love God. You keep spending all your life energy with people who don't even believe that going to church and being Christian is even has anything. They don't even believe there is a God. But one moment you start spending more time and you start engaging other people of faith, it'll start increasing your faith. Because now you're getting around people like, me too. I've been through that. Oh, but God brought me through that thing. Man, I tell you, it was so hard. I was homeless for like six months. What? Are you serious? Yeah, but God brought me through it. Wow. Starts building your faith. Then the other thing I taught you to do was to imitate Jesus. Everybody imitates somebody. You don't realize you're doing it, but you do. You have a person, a group of people, or a group of ideologies in the back of your mind that you're trying to live up to. And the Bible says it like this. He says that Jesus is the author, the beginner. He, he started our whole faith anyway. And so that we are to fix our eyes on him. Not to try to be like Pastor Adam or try to be like Billy Graham or sister so-and-so. But we need to put our eyes on him, try to imitate him. Guess what he did when he got around sick people? He prayed for them. Guess what he did whenever everyone falsely accused him? He, he had kindness and showed grace to him. And then what happened with the last piece I taught you how to grow your faith? Anybody remember that one? Prayer and fasting. Jesus said this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. You start praying and fasting, and what it does is it drives out your unbelief. And so all of a sudden you look up one day, and, you, you, and you're like, Grandma. You remember Grandma? Grandma, oh, baby, be all right. Jesus is going to take care of it. He's like, Grandma, we're going to die. Oh, baby, it's okay. Jesus has this right in the palm of his hand. 
I remember being a young Christian, always going to my pastor. But pastor, we got to change. If we don't kick these people out of the church, they're perverts. They're going to get they're going to be sleeping with everybody in the church. We're going to lose the whole church. And he's like, brother, this too shall pass. The reason why? Because he'd been there, done that. He'd already had to learn to walk in faith when it comes to the the will of other people and how they didn't necessarily respond to God the way they should. He'd already been there, done that, and he had grown in his faith because he had already overcome the unbelief. Are you with me? Say yes. And so today, as we jump into the teaching today, we're going to close out this whole teaching uh, with the rewards of faith. So get ready to take some good notes. There were two men shipwrecked on an island. The minute they got on the island, swam to the island, no one in sight, the first guy starts losing his mind. We're going to die. We're going to die. There's no food. There's no water. We're going to die. We're going to die. And the second guy just leaned against the palm tree in the shade, just kind of sat back. The first guy gets ticked off at him. He's like, why? What are you doing? We're going to die. There's no food. There's no water. We're going to die. Why are you acting so calm? He says, man, let me explain something to you. I make $100,000 a week. First guy goes, that doesn't mean anything on a stranded island out in the middle of the ocean. No one knows where we're at. We're going to die. It doesn't matter how much money you make. And we're going to die. I can't believe you're acting like this. You go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me explain something to you, young man. I make $100,000 a week. I'm a person of faith. I give 10% of all of my income to the church. My pastor will find me. We will not die with that kind of tide base. He will track me down and we will survive. Our key scripture is 11, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 as we move in. I've quoted this a couple times uh, throughout the teachings of the last two weeks, but this is our key piece for today's teaching as we extract the rewards of heaven. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And now, without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We must believe, King James says, that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I see people do this all the time, unfortunately. They'll take a passage of Scripture, they'll extract it, and they won't bring the complete understanding of what is being said in that passage. Again, Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews begins to list out the great men and women of faith and the scenarios by which they walked in faith. And prior to this little piece, he talks about Enoch. He says, by faith, Enoch, Enoch pleased God and was no more. If you'll go back and research who Enoch was, Enoch was a man in the Old Testament. Uh, we don't know a whole lot about him. All we know is that he had such faith, and he was so pleasing to God, that one day God just like took him up. Just like, got to have you. He was so pleasing to God. The word of God uses pleasing, that he was pleasing to God. Why was he pleasing? Because of his faith. What displeases God? Our unbelief and doubt. He was so pleasing that God's like, look, I cannot just sit around FaceTiming you. I'm tired of texting you. I'm tired of sending you messages in the Bible. I want to be with you face to face. Come on up into heaven with me. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being so pleasing that you're driving to work one day, and you're right there, and Jesus like, I just couldn't wait. I couldn't wait another moment. I just had to, I just had to have you. Can you imagine? That's what, he, that's what happened with Enoch. He was so pleasing to God that God could not wait for him to live out his days. God could not wait for him to die. He said, I'm done waiting. I want face to face. I want you here in heaven with me. And he takes him off the planet. Why? He was so pleasing. Why was he pleasing? Because of his faith. Because of his faith. See, what's pleasing to God is not our good action. What's pleasing to God is our faith. And it's because of our faith that actions are different than everybody else. It's because I know that he's a reward of those who did diligently seek him. I must believe that he is, I believe. And when this passage is saying you must believe that he is, he's not talking about just acknowledge that there is a God. Satan acknowledges there's a God. What it's talking about, you must believe that he exists, that he, in the Greek, actually, you must believe in his character and his nature. You must recognize and embrace. The connotation is that you must embrace that the living God really loves you and really has a destiny for you, really wants a relationship with you. That's kind of the connotation. You must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, that there are rewards connected to our faith. And that's a good thing for you to understand. And I know that didn't get preached a whole lot, but that's a good thing that the Bible lays out for us. Listen, if you will walk in faith, there's rewards for that. There, God is saying, listen, I want you to understand who I am so much that I will little breadcrumb trails along the way 
so that you know how good I am because I understand that you are full of unbelief from the moment you were born. You began to fight unbelief because you couldn't see me. You don't know. You, you didn't have verbal conversations with me like another human. And so I recognize that. So I want to give out rewarding opportunities as you walk in faith and trust in me. This is the God we serve. In fact, I would give you the formula of God's faith like this or God's reward formula looks like this. God's truth plus our faith equals his rewards. God's truth. Having faith just to have faith is wonderful, but that doesn't do anything. It's faith in his truth and his truth. There's a lot of things out there that aren't God's truth. And so you say, well, how do I know it's God, what God tru- God's truths are? He laid them out in his holy scriptures. And so I'm going to point out some of his truths and some of the rewards that are the result of those here today. And I just kind of extracted some from Scripture. I just picked about nine out of probably scores and scores, just those that came to my heart. And I didn't want to keep you till 3 o'clock this afternoon. And so I just pulled out a few so we could get out of here in a timely fashion to believe for miracles with the Cowboys. Amen. So, so the first... Reward of faith that I've extracted is first one that I think is the most powerful one, and that is salvation. Salvation. Look what John chapter 5 and verse 24 says. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes, whoever hears my word and believes. If you're a believer, say me. Great. If you're not, we'll stay with you, okay, till the end of the service. So I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes, him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned you know what he's saying? The reward is believing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that no man comes to the Father except through him. You know what the reward of that is? Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, safe in his arms in eternity. So that, that death really has no sting. Why? Because it's just a crossing over into heaven with the living God. That there is no really, no really condemnation anymore now because I have put my faith and trust in the living God. I have faith that what Jesus Christ did on the cross has been extended to me as grace. And by faith, I accept that grace. And that grace is at work in my life. And it has an end result. And that end result, that end reward, salvation. From the wickedness of the pit of hell. From the place of damnation where all those who've been disobedient will be cast into. Because hell was never created for humanity. It was created for Satan and the fallen wicked demon angels. But because of our rebellion in the garden, because we turned away from the living God in the garden, man destined themselves to be linked up with the satanic power that that pulled us away. Oh, but then came grace. Then came mercy on that cross. And that cross made a way. It crossed the divide, that two chasms, and that cross laid over as a bridge that I could walk on over through into, into God's uh, a relationship with the living God through his son, Jesus Christ. We have what a reward of faith. His truth plus my faith equals salvation. His truth that he would, that none should perish, but all have eternal life. His truth that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the father except through him. My faith in that and say, yes, that's real. And I believe it <laughs> gives me the reward of salvation. Not by my works, not by good deeds, how much money I gave to the church, how much I didn't give to the church, how many bad things did I do versus how many good things that I did. Oh, I did more good things. So therefore I should get to go to heaven. No, 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 no. Salvation through faith, through faith in Jesus Christ because of his grace. Not because of what we've done, lest any man should boast. It's not, by our, it's not by our works that we get ourselves to heaven. No, just the opposite. It's faith in Jesus. Faith in God's truth gave us that reward. Here's the second great reward that I'd love to pull out to you, and that is number two, new life. New life. Look at this scripture. Some of you don't get it yet. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you're in Christ, say me. me. Try it again. Say me. If anyone is in Christ, he and she is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. So, ooh, that sounds so good, but I'm not new. I'm still the old pervert that I've always been. I just go to church now. Whoa, you have a problem with your faith. You have a problem with your faith. You should wake up every morning and say, I'm a new creature in Christ. The old has passed away. I'm not, I'm not that guy anymore. That sin has been washed over by the blood of Jesus. That person is dead. I'm new in Jesus Christ. I'm not controlled by that. I've repented of my sin. I've repented. I've turned away from it. Say, oh, but pastor still draws on me. It may still draw on you, but that's not you anymore. That's what faith is, is saying, that's not me. I used to have an addiction. And yes, it calls to me in the night sometimes, but that's not me. That person is dead. I'm new in Christ. I'm a new creation. That's what it says. You are a new creation. You have a new life. You have a new life. And you keep acting like the old person. That makes no sense. You keep acting, you keep acting like a, a football player on the track 
And it ain't working. You're tackling everybody. And they're like, what's wrong with you? We're not playing football. We're running track. You're like, well, I'm a football player. Trying to be a track player, but I'm trying. I just can't figure it out. No, 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 no. You're not a football player anymore. You are a track star. You are on the race. Come on. You are running a good race. Don't let anybody cut in on you. You keep running the race for Jesus Christ. You, that old person has passed away and everything has become new. You say, oh, I just don't know if I see that. That's your problem. Unbelief. Unbelief is killing you in that. And so you have to buy faith. And you say, well, well, how do I buy faith it? You buy faith it. Every day you wake up, and when you get into a scenario where your old man would have done one thing, your new man says, nah, I ain't that guy. I'm not doing that. I'm not taking the money this time. I'm a new creature in Christ. I get a new life. I'm not that person. I got to control all the lead. I got to start over. Woohoo! Isn't that wonderful? That's the beauty of it. You say, well, oh, but I failed yesterday, and I acted like my old man. Repent. Repent. Say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't get it why Christians think repentance is a bad thing. I, that makes no sense to me. Imagine, I, I told this story uh, during the Olympics. Imagine during the races of the Olympics, phew, you take off running, and man, you're in last place. And you go back, can I run it again? I didn't have my best run. Sure, let's try it again. <laughs> and you stumble, oh, I fell. Try again. That's what repentance is. Start over, try again. New in Christ, old man's passed away. You've repented. I remember that no more. You're not that person. And here's the problem, is that we keep calling sin bad choices. That's the problem. We keep calling, preachers keep saying, I know, because they want to soften it a little bit. I, I know you make bad choices, but the Lord, make, you can make better choices. You cannot make better choices. Sin is sin. Repent of it. Go on. Kill it. Crucify it. Move on. That's not like God. That's not like you. You're new in Christ. Anyway, let's move on to the third one, because I couldn't get you to get all of that, so it'll come to you. Here's the third one. You ready? That I extracted. Long life. How many of you want to live a long life? Woo! For those of you that are 20, 40 is a long life. I get it. For those of us that are in our 50s, woo, long life is 70. For those of us in our 80s, long life is tomorrow. If I can just make it on over here in the morning. Look at this beautiful passage. I love this truth. Verse 16 of chapter 5 of Deuteronomy. Honor your father and your mother. As the Lord your God has commanded you, so that, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God has given you. So God puts this truth in his holy scriptures. If you'll honor your father and your mother, you say, oh, pastor, you don't know my mom and dad were horrible. You don't know my mom was an alcoholic. She beat the snot out of me. I, I, you know, I hate her. The Bible says if you will honor her, what that means is to esteem, to value. And look how it says, honor her in the Lord. Not honor her for her actions. Honor her because she is your mom. And in the Lord, in the, in the goodness of God's foreknowledge, that's who you came from, that family. And as you and I respect and honor, that the reward might be that you live a long life. I often wonder when people uh, die early and things like that. I often wonder how much honor and respect, it just kind of comes across my mind. I wonder how much honor and respect they had for their parents. Even if that person was wicked. Even if that, that, that dad was, was abusive. That we would respect them in our Christianity, in faith. I will respect you even though I don't trust you. And you're never going to be around my kids. But I honor you and respect you. I, I esteem you as valuable. I pray for you. I ask God to do great works in your life. I esteem you that, it may, that you may live a long life. And that may go well with you in the land. I often wonder how disrespect for our parents. And especially as Americans, we're real quick to take our older people and just throw them aside. And I'll tell you something. Uh, life is getting cut short as a result of it. He says his truth... Plus, our faith will equal that reward. So I don't really believe that. Okay, well, great. Well, then we got part of the equation, but we don't have your faith connected to his truth. So that reward will not extend to you. Does that make sense? So there's a truth. Whether you and I like it or not, whether we, we still go to heaven and not believe in these truths and struggle with some of these truths, it doesn't matter. That truth is still in effect. The reward is still in effect. It's when our faith connects with that truth, then we get the reward. And that's what you got to understand. That I have unbelief in a couple areas of God's promises. I really have unbelief. I mean, I, I, I have prayed for a lot of people and they've gotten healed, but I'm still struggling with a dead person. Yep. I'm looking at it going, God, I know you can. I know you will. I know you have the power. And then what happens, I start thinking about my old way of thinking, my old works mentality, that I've got to be good enough for God to use me. Yeah. And I start realizing, well, I was mean to somebody last week, so I guess this person's not going to get raised from the dead. I still go back to that. I still have to crush that and crucify that. And I'm believing. I know I'm going to get past that. My faith is going to be so strong. And then I'll say, Lazarus, come forth. And end up being Bill. Sorry, Bill. 
meant Lazarus. Somebody else in there? Got the whole place raised from the dead at the morgue. Sorry, buddy, about that. All right, let's move on to the next one. Here's the fourth one that I would extract the reward, and that is influence. The reward of influence. Mark 10 and 29. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields from me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. He said, listen, if you've given up influence, you've given up opportunity in this life, I will bless you back. You will have a reward a hundred times that. And not only the rewards that are awaiting you in the life to come. Sitting on the front row, some of my favorite people in the world, Lewis and Elisa Quintana, they left family, friends, everything out of California. Moved to Texas because God told them to. Gave up prosperity, gave up, and went down in Oak Cliff to go to Bible school. Left it all. Uh, Lewis was very successful in the medical field. Uh, They were just a power couple, and they left all their influence, and they came to get trained some more. They just did it by faith. Can I tell you something? In their time here in the Texas area, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, they have more influence than they would have ever had. God blessed that and gave them influence. Today, there are multiple families that came to church just to see them. Why? Because they were willing, God's truth, if you'll give up houses and homes and influence for my name's sake, if you put your faith to that, then I will reward you with 100 times more than you could ever imagine. And the reason that is is because God is at work. He's like a God, giant chess piece. So when God says, hey, man, go ahead and give your lawnmower to that guy next door, you have no idea that he's setting up for you to be taken care of and for that action to do something supernatural in that person's heart. So he's got this whole chess thing going. So when you and I go, nah, that can't be the Lord wants me to do that. Nah, I don't really know. What you do is you stop the plan of God in action. And what are you doing? Your unbelief and your lack of faith is literally displeasing to him. He's like, ah, if I can just get him to give the lawnmower away. I got so much planned here. Give the lawnmower away. Give the lawnmower away. Lawnmowers are floating across your brain in dreams. I mean, you got all the, and God cannot. Preachers are preaching on lawnmowers. I feel like somebody, God says, give the lawnmower away. You're like, nope, can't be me. Can't be me. God's like, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm trying to get this movement in your life and the life of all these other thousands of people. But you won't walk in obedience to this because you're scared of losing something. But if you'll give the influence away, I'll give it back to you, hundredfold. In this life, I've got a plan. Look at the reward of that. How about this next one? Oh, uh, guidance and direction. Guidance and direction. Proverbs 3 and 5. Trust in the Lord. I love this passage. With all of your heart, lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. I pulled it out of King James because shall has so much power. He shall direct your path. I mean, just sh- it will happen if you and I will simply trust in the Lord. So trust in the Lord. In other words, Lord, I don't know where to go. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to fix this, Lord, but I'm going to trust in you. That faith plus who he is, ever-present help in time of trouble, equals guidance and direction. My son had his 21st birthday this weekend, and he, he, uh, you know, had interacted with a couple friends. And and one of his friends is a guy named Josiah, coolest kid on the planet, loved this guy. And this guy is a missionary's kid. He he attends our church at times. He's just a good dude, and and, uh, he's just gotten back from Turkey. Um, but prior to that, he, he went with YWAM, and he did their mission space for six months, and then he went with them to Turkey. And, and, I, was, and I, was like, I was like, Josiah, I'm so proud of you, man, going for God like that. He goes, he said, Pastor, it was a real struggle. He said, because, you know, he got into uh, martial arts and to, um, you know, really into fighting, and he thought maybe he would be an MMA fighter and stuff, and he was just back and forth. And he said, finally, I just said, God, whatever you want, whatever you want, I just want your direct, I want my life to count for something. He said he kept hearing, like, YWAM, which is Youth with a Mission. And he's like, man, I don't want to do that. And finally, he just said, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. I will just trust you that that's you. And even if it wasn't you, that I will, will have had a great experience to tell my grandkids that I went and I went to Turkey for a little bit. And he said, and the first two days on that mission space, he said, the first two days, God started messing with me and started speaking to me truths that I could. He said, and he referred back to some of the things I've struggled with. And that is, I, had, I, I was under this impression that I had to work for God's favor, that I couldn't just relax in the fact that he loves me. I couldn't just embrace that I'm a son. Even though I'm a disobedient and obedient at times, I just couldn't relax in the fact. He said, and in that first few weeks, I got that revelation. And he says, and it's transformed my life. Guided him, directed him. Why? Because he trusted in the Lord. Leaned not to his own understanding. 
Because that's not a good career path if he wants to be super mega rich one day. But he laid all those things down, trusted in the Lord, and the Lord guided his path. Here's the next one. You ready for the next one? Say yes. Number six that I got is uh, deliverance from our enemies. Psalms 18, 46 through 48. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be my God, my Savior. Be God, my Savior. Verse 47. He is the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me, who saves me from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. Can I explain something to you? There's an enemy that hates you is trying to destroy you and your family. Do you know that? There's an enemy. Some of you are still fighting with a generational curse. Your grandmother had breast cancer. Your mom had breast cancer. And you have this thought, I'm going to have breast cancer. And there's an enemy lying to you, lying to you. But I want, to, I want you to know something. By his stripes, you were healed. His truth plus your faith in that equals the reward of that. He will help you overcome your enemies. He will overcome your enemies for you. you say, oh, man, Pastor, you have no idea. My job's terrible. I work with some of the vilest, wickedest people. They're always cutthroat. Everyone's trying to get ahead of someone. And they're always talking bad about me and stealing my, you know, my clients and things like that. Man, I tell you, I just don't know what to do. Well, the Bible says pray for those. His truth. Pray for those who do you wrong. You connect your faith to his truth, and guess what the reward will be? He will deliver you from your enemies. They will lose their job. I can, I can tell you hundreds of stories of me praying with different folks in the church and because of somebody at their job that stood in their way of advancement, that talked bad about them, that, we, that maybe because they hated Christians and stuff like that. And I can't tell you I can, hundreds of stories where God moved that person, and this person took their space. Unbelievable. They got fired without anybody knowing it was coming. And then the person who was praying and, tr- and trusting God and loving that person, no matter how they treated them at work, and all of a sudden, boom, they get promoted in their place as this person's being removed. God will bring us deliverance from our enemies. You will not be overcome by substance abuse. He will bring deliverance to you over your enemies. You will not be overtaken by perversion and wickedness. He will give you deliverance over your enemies because he's a good God and you're his son and daughter. Are you with me? Say yes. Amen. All right, let's go to the next one. Number seven. Oh, this is my favorite. I love this scripture. And that is, we'll see wealth without painful toil. Wealth without painful toil. Proverbs 10, 22. The blessings of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. You and I have to toil for our income. We have to work. The Bible says a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. But this is talking about a whole other level. That we will toil, but it won't be painful. That God will, God will bless us and bring us into wealth and prosperity. This isn't just talking about money. Stop being an American. This is talking about, this is talking about wealth of life, wealth of health. Come on, somebody. Wealth of relationships without painful toil. Like, man, I keep dating everybody and none of them are the one. I'm losing my mind without painful toil. He's going to bring around a transformation and it'll happen without painful toil. And I wanted to illustrate this for you because I knew you couldn't get the middle picture. So I brought my little woodworking uh, process here. Got my little board here. I want to show you the difference between toil and painful toil. Let me lock it down a little bit here. So this is what I would call, you know, the normal toil. And uh, anybody who's ever worked with stuff. I got my little handsaw here. I'm a pretty good sorrower. I'm sweating like a pig. Oh my God. All right, almost almost there. All right. That, my friend, is painful toil. But God wants to give us wealth. without painful toil. That's the difference. Okay? He's like, I don't understand why it's so hard to be married to this guy. God would have you take his scriptures literally and submit one to another as unto the Lord. Okay, I'll put my faith to that. And he would have you pray for your spouse that you want to strangle in the night. Pray for them. He would have you humble yourself, as the scripture says, and admit that you were wrong. Come on, prideful, arrogant person. And then as you do that, guess what? As you do that, it won't be painful. It'll be toil. So easy and the marriage is so wonderful. And people are like, y'all don't have problems. Yes, we have problems. But it's just not that hard. Because that's what his word says. Will you attach your faith to this principle? Will you say that? Yes. Amen. Three of you. Good. I hope it helps you. Number eight. Here's the eighth one that I would pull out for you out of all these wonderful rewards. And that is joy and peace. 
joy and peace. <laughs> Look at Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you what? As you trust in him. May God fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him. Oh, friend, that little guy was running around that island full of stress and worry. Another guy, he had trust that there was someone looking out for him. That somebody was going to come get him because of the investment of relationship. I want you to know something. God has your back. And it don't matter what happens in this old horrible world. It don't matter. So, yeah, but my wife died early. Joy and peace in the midst of that. Yeah, but, you know, we lost our house. He can give you joy and peace in the midst of that. Why? Because he's good, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for That's his truth. You've got to attach your faith for it. Okay, so God, I don't, your word says you've never seen the righteous forsaken. I feel forsaken. But I'm not going to go by my feelings. I'm going to go by my Three of you got it. It's three weeks, and all three of you got it. Thank you, guys. The rest of what I'm doing. What am I spending my life on? God, okay, I, I thought it was going to happen this way, and I feel like you've abandoned me, but I'm going to faith that you've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor you're, even though I don't feel that way, even though it doesn't look, things that I don't see, that I cannot see, it doesn't, I don't know how we're in the third quarter and we're losing by 10, how are you going to pull this out? But I have faith that your truth is in existence, that I'll never see the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. And so, Lord, I will stand in faith. Your truth, my faith, I'm waiting on your reward. It'll happen. This is what faith looks like. And when you and I learn to just sit there, just the peace that just happens, the peace. People ask me all the time, why are you so full of joy? Because <laughs> I have a secret. <laughs> You're like, what is it? What do you smoke? Tell me about it. No, 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 no. I have a secret. You're not going to believe my secret. Y'all ready? I've already, I cheated. I'm sorry, I cheated. I've already read ahead in the book. And I found out no matter what happens, we win. So I recognize that this is two groups fighting against each other. The powers of darkness and the kingdom of God. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. No matter what happens, bombs, losing arm, doesn't matter to me. Because at the end of all, we win. So it's so easy to be full of joy. And I just, and not only that, I'm mature enough at this stage. I've got enough faith in my life at this stage that I've seen him turn around the craziest of things. Like how in the world did that dude finally come back to God? That dude was crazy. Like he was born, spawned from the pit of hell. How could he now be a pastor? I mean, I know those guys. So I can walk in joy and peace. Why? Because at the end of it all, he is God. And I think this is his big disappointment with us, is we don't recognize the magnificent nature of who our God is. There is no other God. He is the creator of all things that exist. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-understanding, and that's our dad. And so to live in stress and doubt and fear and worry frustrates him. We see that in Scripture. Enoch was taken from this planet for he was pleasing. Why was he pleasing? Because he trusted and had faith in God in a way that obviously no one else did. Here's the last one that I would give you. This is my favorite. It's my favorite passage of scripture. Number nine, signs and wonders. The reward for faith, signs and wonders. Mark 16, 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. If you're a believer, say me. All right, we're getting a few more by the end of it. Hopefully, the whole church will become believers. And these signs will follow those who believe. It'll continue on. It says, and in my name, they'll cast out devils. In my name, if they'll speak in other tongues. In my name, these signs will follow them. In my name, if they drink any deadly poison, if snake bites them, it won't harm them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This passage haunted me in the church that I came from because the church I came from didn't believe in signs and wonders. They thought they were done away with. But I struggled because this word says, these signs will follow those who believe. And I was like, I'm a believer. How come I don't have these signs? How come they had to be done away with? And what happened was I was full of unbelief because of the people I was doing life with. Because of the church I was attending. That miracles are not needed anymore. That miracles don't exist anymore. 
that those hyper-goofy people on Christian television and doing those weird crusades are all charlatans. Some of them might be, but that doesn't negate his truth. His truth is still his truth. These signs will follow those who believe. Whether someone has misappropriated that, whether someone has manipulated that, God's going to deal with them. But his truth is still his truth. And the problem was I had no faith in it. I only had unbelief. And then when I started growing my faith, when I saw the first person get healed, I was like, I'm in. I'm in. That's legit. That's what I want to do with my life right there. If that's, that's Christianity. Now, here's the beauty of this passage. These signs will follow those who... Those, these signs, signs will... Say it out loud. Will. So what comes first, the sign or the belief? So the reason why you don't see signs and wonders is because you don't believe. So God's like, I'm not going to give you signs until you give me faith. I can prove that in scripture to you. Jesus is back and forth with the Pharisees and they're being manipulative. And they say to him, show us a sign that you really are the Messiah. And Jesus, he says, no sign will be given you, oh, unbelieving generation, except the sign of Jonah. He said, what does that mean? Well, Jonah is a liken to Jesus' death on the cross because Jonah was in the belly of the well how many days? And Jesus was in the bellies of the earth or Hades or whatever you want to call it for three days. And he resurrected just like Jonah was spit out. And so what Jesus is saying to him, I'm not going to do a miracle for you because you won't believe anyway. You want me to give you a sign so that you will believe. I'm telling you believe and then you'll see signs. Because your belief is, the signs are connected to your belief in what he already is, his truth. So you got the formula wrong. You want me to prove to you before you will believe. And God said, no, no, I'm God. I'm God. Believe in me. Then you'll see the results of your belief. It's, already, it's a formula already set in place. I'm not going to do it for you. It's already set in motion. A plus B equals C. It's, already set, it's my formula. It's already in motion. The problem is your unbelief. And so Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that for you. No way. The only sign you're going to get is I'm going to die and I'm going to resurrect. Then you're going to know. Because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that I am Lord. Everyone will come to the place. On that day, on that day, the horror that so many folks will have in that moment. All these heightened intellectual people who want to say that you're an idiot for believing in a God you cannot see. All of these grandiose communicators and all these people with positions of power. Listen, nothing's new under the sun. It's been that way from the very beginning. That's been the trick of the enemy from the very beginning. In that moment, they will be horrified as they look over at you and what they thought was weakness, what they thought was sissyhood, what they thought was ignorance. They will look at you and go, you were right. And we'll go, I know. I tried to tell you because he is God. He's God. You say, oh, I have a hard time believing that there's a creator. And so you, you have more faith than I do because you believe that some kind of particles bumped into each other that then created the intelligent design that told the earth how to turn on its axis one or two degrees off and we have full tidal waves destroying all of our seaside villages. Yeah, one, one degree off with the sun and going around the sun and we were scorched it, that somehow these things bumped into each other created all of this. We came from some larva, turned into a tadpole, turned into a gorilla, turned to our intelligent design. You have more faith than I do. God created us. That's where I'm at. So, oh, you're so ignorant. There's so proof here and proof there. Proof this and proof that. That's, that's wonderful. It's wonderful. And you are a believer in your proof. I'm a believer in his truth. His truth plus my faith equals, that's why I live at peace and joy. Say, so, well, you're just ignorant. Well, praise God. Never claim to be intelligent. I know who the great intelligent one is. That's the one I'm serving. That's why he does crazy cool things with me because he takes the foolish things to confound the wise. That's why I lay hands on people and they get healed. It's like, that's cool. <laughs> like, how'd that happen? I have no idea. I don't know what you That's just cool. Why? Because signs and wonders will follow those who believe. Belief plus my faith. I mean, his truth plus my faith equals his rewards. I want you to stand with me all across the room today. And as we close out, this series was real important to me. And thank you for being so gracious and coming each and every week. Every week, thank you so much for never missing a Sunday. I'm just picking on you. But it's real important 
to the Father that you do not deny him the power that's due him. That you simply walk in faith. He's built into his love relationship with you. That things that have happened in your life have caused that unbelief. He's built that in. He still loves you. He didn't get rid of you because you don't have full faith yet. He didn't say you're worthless. He loves you. But he, but he has so much waiting for you. So he put all these rewards out there so that you would long to trust him in a deeper way. I'm ashamed of myself sometimes because the amount of unbelief that still rests inside of me as a minister. I recognize my humanity. But then I fall on his grace that he's kind and gentle. He's long-suffering. <laughs> you know what long-suffering is? Lord, it's been 20 years. And she's still an idiot. He's long-suffering. He doesn't get rid of me. He doesn't get rid of you. And so as we close out this series, I just want to ask that you would ask the Lord to help you with your unbelief. That you would commit to be a person of faith. Monday, you might mess it all up. And Tuesday, you might hit it out the park. And Wednesday, you might, yeah. But every day, growing in our faith. Every day, growing in our faith. The beautiful rewards of peace and joy as a result of trusting Him. The beautiful reward of signs and wonders because we believe that He still heals today. The beautiful reward of new life. The old man's passed away. I'm not that guy anymore. I feel like that guy half the time, but I'm not that guy. The faith to trust that I am new in Christ, a new creation. The old has passed away. So as you stand here, I want you to close your eyes and create a safe place, a private moment right here where you stand. And I want you, from the depths of your heart, as real and as honest as you can be, to tell the Lord, Lord, I want to grow in my faith. This series was just to help you recognize we had to grow. To give you a couple truths out of the word. To help motivate you to grow. And then a couple principles on how to grow. That's what this series was about. But friend, if you don't want to grow, you will not grow. If you don't make a commitment to grow. That man in that moment recognized his unbelief was going to keep his kid full of demons. And in a desperate moment, he cried out and said, help my unbelief, help. Help my unbelief. And Jesus said, I got you, baby. Don't worry about it. Right here, right now. Whatever you struggle to believe. You struggle to believe in healing. You struggle to believe in tithing. You struggle to believe that God is good. Whatever you struggle to believe in, I want you right now to say, Lord, help my unbelief. Grow me, Lord. Grow me. Grow me. Jesus, I ask you right now that our church would be men and women of faith. Lord, I don't want to pastor, Lord God, people who rebel against you and yet want to call themselves Christians. Lord, I, I want to I I run with people who are struggling with their faith just like I am. But Lord, who have a tender heart to say, I got, I got to have more of God. I, I'm not there yet. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that, Lord God, that it would be known around this community, the surrounding communities, that the people of Church on the Hill, they love Jesus. And they believe Him and take Him at His word. That they really are people of faith. And it comes out in their everyday living. comes out in the way they go to work and the, what they buy and don't buy and what they watch and what they don't watch and who they engage with and who they don't engage with. Lord, I pray that you would increase our faith. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I've got to be honest, man. I've struggled to believe God was real. Pastor, when you were talking earlier about... <laughs> Performing for his love. That's me, man. I grew up in some kind of religious environment where I thought I had to do so that I could be. Friend, I, I need you to understand Jesus did it all. Salvation comes to you and me, not because we are better than everyone else or because we do better than we used to do. Salvation comes to us because he died on a cross as payment for our sins. And when we attach our faith to that truth, we receive eternal life. So today, if you've been faithless, 
you tried to be works trying to work for your salvation today's the day to surrender and just say Jesus I make you the Lord of my life I have faith that you have my best interest in mind that you are the living God friend with every head bowed and every eye closed maybe you say pastor I used to be a Christian I just walked away life happened I got caught up in the things of this world I did, I, you know, I, I just happened. I don't, I, don't need, I don't know if I'm separated, divorced, backslidden. I don't know what everybody calls it, but I just know I don't know God anymore. Friend, I got good news for you. You're just a prayer away. Maybe you say, Pastor, how, so how do, I, how do I start this faith journey? How do I make Jesus my Lord and Savior? I'm glad you asked. The Bible says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that he is the Christ. See, faith. That he is the son of the living God. See, there's an action connected to your belief. That he will then forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We read that passage of the book of John. If you'll believe that my words are true, you shall have eternal life. Whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have eternal life. I want to extend that to you in an invitation here today of what Jesus paid for you. He give you an opportunity to put your faith in him and ask him into your life. With no one looking around, you say, Pastor, that's me. No one's looking. I'm not going to call you forward, but I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you right where you stand, right in your seat. I don't want to expose you. I don't want to humiliate you. This is a deep, deep personal decision. I need you to make that right where you stand. If you're ready, say, I'm ready to serve God. I want to be a Christian. I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ. With no one looking around, would you just admit that to yourself and to the Lord by lifting your hand? Say, Pastor, thank you. God bless you. So, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. God bless you, brother. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much for your honesty. Wow. I'm ready, God. I don't want to look. Thank you so much. You can put your hand back down. I see it. God bless you, sir. Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? Thank you, bro. You're the real deal, man. Anybody else? Make sure I see it been a number of hands. Give up one more second. Okay, yeah, you can put it down. God bless you. Now, I want to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance, a confession. That's what the word says. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. You must have belief in your heart or you wouldn't have lifted your hand. You must have been drawn by, to, by God to this place. Or you wouldn't have come to a church if there was something happening in your heart. This has been God this whole way. It's been crazy how he's journeyed you here. By lifting your hand, the miracle is already pretty much done. We're going to seal it. If we were at a party and Jesus, my best friend, was sitting over at a table and I grabbed you, my new friend, I brought you over and said, Jesus, you've got to meet my new best friend. And you guys begin to start a conversation and start a relationship. That's what this prayer is. We're going to start the relationship by signifying our commitment to him and our desire to have a relationship with him. That's what this prayer is. So would you pray this with me across the room? Everyone, not just those who lifted their hands, say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I admit I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you, Jesus. And you alone have I sinned against. And so today, I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to wash me clean. Jesus, I confess you are my Lord and my Savior. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Stay standing with your head bowed for a moment. Father, I pray right now for every man and woman who prayed that from sincerity, the deep place of their heart. I pray right now that they would feel that peace, (laughs) that they don't have to perform. They don't have to give money to the church. They're right with you. They can walk out of this place, and if they got hit by a car, they would be immediately ushered into your presence. You would hold them tight, look deep in their eyes, and say, I love you. And they would say, oh, but I wasn't good enough. Oh, 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 oh. No, you weren't, but I was. And you made a decision for me, and we're together forever. Father, I pray right now that the joy of their salvation will begin to stir in their heart. That they don't have to ever doubt again what this life is all about. And that, Lord God, they would feel the solidity of your love, never to be stolen from them again. In the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people agreed and said, amen, amen, amen.